Welcome to the Be A Smart Woman podcast. Everyone has their own story to tell, and you never know what impact your story might have on someone else's life. This is the foundation of the Be A Smart Woman movement. Our movement seeks to empower women through the sharing of their journeys with other women. Sometimes we don't even realize the lessons that our stories hold until we share them with others. I am Claire Faithful, founder of Be A Smart Woman. And it is my hope and dream that this podcast will illuminate personal lessons for you, the way listening to other women's stories has inspired me for years. We are so glad you are here. Let's enjoy this journey together. Today, we will be talking to the amazingly smart woman, Lynn Buchanan. Lynn is a nationally recognized environmental and fine arts photographer, artist, writer, and educator. She has had many museum exhibitions and speaking engagements around the country. We will be discovering today why Lynn went from stay-at-home mom of three, decided to follow her heart and photograph water issues in our own country and around the world, and where this journey has led her today. Lynn has a beautiful book that has just been released called Florida's Changing Waters, A Beautiful World in Peril, published by George F. Thompson Publishing. I highly recommend it. Welcome to the Be A Smart Woman show today, everyone. Before we get started, I just wanted to say a few words about Lynn. She has a mission to raise awareness about the need to clean up our water and the importance of forging a new relationship with the environment so we can live more sustainably. Lynn has a new book out called Florida's Changing Waters, A Beautiful World in Peril. Lynn, it's great to have you here. Can you tell our audience a little about your book? Sure, I'd love to. And thank you so much for inviting me, Claire. It's great to be here. For six years, I kayaked the waterways in Florida and met with water keepers, rivers, and springs advocates and indigenous people in learning about water issues and gathering the images for this book. Wow. It includes essays by myself, Jason Evans, a renowned environmental sciences professor and climate scientist, and Dr. Robert Knight head of the Florida Springs Institute. It was very rewarding to work with so many people across the state of Florida who are doing such important work. Tell me a little bit about what led you on this journey. Well, I have three children. I was a stay-at-home mother for a long time, and when my last child left to go to college, I thought, what am I going to do next? So I had taken up photography after doing yoga, which was quite interesting because it made me relate to the environment um, because of how it supported me and nurtured me. And it was the spiritual lessons I learned from water. Right. And while working on that, I saw that a lot of water was polluted and was having a problem. And so I started f- photographing that and did a show. And that led me to go across the country to see water issues around the country and also to find out who I was as a woman after my uh, ex-husband left and all three of my children left. And wow. I was no longer 
a mother. I was no longer a daughter. <laughs> I was not a wife anymore. I mean, I was those things. Right. But... So, but so, in other words, you, so as I would say, you were a daughter mm-hmm. and then you became a wife. Right. And then you had three children and you were this nurturing mother for your children. And in that, then you discovered that that you were looking for something else to do once all your children something had gone left. to college. And is that what led you to travel across the country? It it did. I wanted to find it. I needed to go somewhere different and travel across the country to really look within and to find myself as a person no longer dependent on those roles for defining who I was. Wow. And so after you've done the backwards and forwards around the country, like you met lots of people there, what led you to... Like, focus on water. Well, water is what really sustains us, and we can't live without water. And as a mother, I was always nurturing my children and trying to provide the best world for them. And it started off by what to do with them in school or sports or their different talents and providing every opportunity. And then I think children leave home, and you can't turn that off that sort of protective mother bear thing. So then the ch- my children went out into the world and I had to decide, like, what is that world out there and, and what are its problems and is there anything I can do to continue protecting them or the children they have in the future? And I really came to realize that water is probably the biggest issue facing our time. Right, because without water, then we, we'll, we have no life. Because we are, I think we're about 80, I think they said we're about, about 80% water, water. So I guess if we destroy all the water on our planet, right. then we're not going to really be helping And ourselves. if the water gets very polluted, then it makes our children or their children sick. Our health is all part of it. We are all part of the food chain and water's in that. And it's the base of all of that. Right. So. But I, I think a lot of people, there's a disconnect though sometimes. In society right now, right. I still see it where... You know, we're so used to just turning on the faucet and getting our water. Right. We don't necessarily think about where it comes, comes from, from or how much of it is left. <laughs> is left in the world or, yeah, so. And, and we think that it's just right there. And sometimes if our water is clean right where we are, that's fine. But rivers flow across state boundaries. They, it's a global water system. So it's it's very far-reaching implications. And... When the water gets polluted in one area, it affects lots of other areas and our children and everything. So Yeah, and I think also, again, I don't think people realize, I don't think we, so I think this is a great topic to yeah. be talking about in the sense of, well, one, that how you're inspired to sort of like support water on our planet through your photography and I mean, is that kind of your mission? I, I think so at this point. I've, I've been doing that a lot too, but it's also to change how we relate to nature and all of our resources. And so we've, in the past, it's been a more patriarchal, male-dominated role where we look at our resources as something that we use as a tool, and we don't often think about making them sustainable and lasting for future generations. There's a whole mentality of looking at the next quarter's profit, and women, naturally, because they have children and their role in the family, um, they have children and grandchildren, and they're always thinking down those generations. It's very similar to the indigenous seventh generation philosophy. 
Um, can you explain a little bit about that? What What is the, that seventh so generation philosophy? So they look through seven generations. You know, any decision oh. they make is not going to be just for right now or even for their children, but it's for their children's children down. Oh, wow. So, and, and my friends who are Native American have often told me that when they make any kind of decision, they're thinking much more long-term. They don't rush into decisions the same way. They think about the implications of their actions and how those implications have other implications and how it goes on and on. So it must be very hard for the indigenous people now, given that a lot of people in our society don't even think about, we literally are in the moment and we just make our rash decisions in the moment. So I think indigenous people and women are our greatest teachers right now. Wow. And I've met... um, I've worked with many indigenous people in Florida, and I was at Standing Rock, and I've been in different places meeting women, indigenous women, and the women in Native cultures are the water keepers. So it's a natural role for women to do that. The men are the keepers of the fire. You know, it's more like progress and moving forward, and the women, it's like the water, it doesn't have a beginning, a middle, and the end. It just keeps... It flows, and it's a... It's a natural metaphor for sort of uniting everything and non-divisiveness and community. So all of these things. As mothers, we have always building community for our children. We're concerned about right. schools. We're concerned about, you know, when they go in the world, farther and farther ripple. Effects. No, I remember that, like with Laura, my daughter. Mm. You know, it's the school plays. Oh, you're doing volleyball. We've got volleyball practice. I don't know. And the friends and the parties and the right. birthdays and all the little social things and that we think about. Right. So family and community and all that is important. And, and you think more in terms of a web of life, I think, mothers. And, mm. and also Native cultures definitely feel that way. I, I don't like to ever put words into how you know, they feel because I'm a little outside that. But I learned so much from them in that way. And so it's a web that horizontally goes out instead of a power structure with it being sort of like I'm using this and I'm taking over this and whatever happens. You think in ripples. You think... How is this action going to affect this point over here on the web? Right. And so, you you know, in our conversations we've had prior to actually recording this podcast, you had said about how you feel like it's women's time to to really stand up. So I wondered if you could share with us, like, how you see that. Well, I think it's time for a new paradigm. And so I think a lot in the past, for me particularly, when I was a stay-at-home mother, well, before even that, I was very shy, um, and I felt like I sort of had to belong to this other world and that what I had to say wasn't necessarily so valuable, and I worked in the corporate world, and you're, you're going into this whole structure. And then I had children, and for the first time I started finding my own voice because I wanted to make sure my children were okay, I wanted to help protect them. I found I could speak up for them more than I could speak up for myself. But then the way that I was speaking up for them was compassionately and caring about their whole world, not just a small part of it. So I feel like that's what women have that they can bring to the table. And now because our world is facing so much fractionalism and divisiveness, people are really looking to women more and more. More and more women are running for office. People really want to come and find a more unifying voice and a voice where we live in harmony with each other and in harmony with our environment and make our our resources more sustainable. Right, and I think that, I mean, that was for me why, you know, when Laura had left college, I decided, she said to me, you know, Mommy, you've got to do something with your life now. It's like, <laughs> you've been a great mom, now right. it's time to go off. And I, and I thought, what am I going to do? And that was when slowly, you know, life showed me 
to do a podcast, which is why I'm doing the podcast, which is about women supporting women for us to really come together and support each other in our differences. Because I think there's also what I see is that there's a lot of divisiveness in the sense of that we are all different. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we kind of have this thing where we've got to make each other like you have to agree with me for me to feel comfortable. And I, so I'm sort of feeling, how does, how do you feel so about that? I and, feel like as a mother, yeah. we're often mediators. So I think that's, it's a very interesting point. Why women a lot of times are better problem solvers. Right. Because, way, because when we can sit down and talk right. and understand each other's perspective, I feel like the heart comes into that. Absolutely. And as a mother with children, you have several children, if you have more than one, and they have all these different wants and needs and desires, and they're going to come in conflict, and you love them all, and you're trying to figure out, how can I help make peace here? So you can take that same thing out into the world. Wow. That's amazing. It's not power over other people. It's how to harmonize. And we really need a lot more harmony and love right now. But I think that's a beautiful way to describe it. It's like how you have, if you have more than one child, but even if you have one, even is that you're still looking at ways to keep harmony in the li- in in the family life and for the children and how to support them with their differences. Absolutely. So wouldn't it be great if we can all go out there and um, create magic, ladies? Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. So um, I wanted you to tell us more about. Um, your book and, and what led you to create your book? So, well, I had done a museum show on the spiritual lessons of water. Um, it was my photographic meditations. And while I did that, I saw a lot of pollution. And so I called in the water keepers at my first museum exhibition for them to talk about some of the issues. And I also showed my slides with quotes from all different writers and philosophers and other people about what the environment means to us and how to live in it a different way where we're not outside of it, but part of it as we really exist. (laughs) And so the water keeper that I had come said, there were people with tears in their eyes in the audience, you need to go on the road. And so right after that, my daughter went to college. And I said, well, I need to go out there and see for myself what's going on, because also the news a lot of times doesn't report everything or their slants. And and so I had been concerned about what was happening to water a little bit where I was, and I decided to go around the country. And I met water keepers along the way, and I met a lot of different people. When you say water keepers, can you explain what a yes, water keeper a water is? Keep- I always forget. No, no, people don't know that. I, I know I have no idea what it is, and I'm sure a lot right. of our audience right. has no idea what a water keeper so is. So Pete Seeger started Clearwater on the Hudson River a long time ago to clean up the Hudson River. And I actually used to live in New York, and when I first moved there, you couldn't go on the water. And by the time I left, I was swimming in the Hudson. So wow. It was amazing. I still don't know if I'd want to swim no, in the Hudson. No, I know. But I mean, it was about an hour north, so it right. wasn't so okay. bad. But um, then that sort of morphed into Waterkeeper Alliance, which is um, headed up by Robert Kennedy and a lot of people out of Pace Law Clinic. And so there's a lot of lawyers, but there's scientists and all these different people. And they have created an alliance. So there are water keepers or river keepers in, I forget the exact number now, I'm sorry, but maybe 44 different countries or something. Okay. They're all around. The, it started around the U.S. and then it went into Canada and it became Oh, so global. this is a global... It's now global. I was this so, year in Bangladesh with Waterkeepers Bangladesh doing work. So is this something that other people could get involved Absolutely. with? Absolutely. Everybody other women should keep- look and see you know, who their waterkeepers are. 
in our areas area and see if you know support them absolutely okay great i I mean i've never heard about that so i think it's i met them there were six in uh, florida when i did my project eventually when i came home from this trip i decided really to focus on my whole home state and there were six water keepers and then there were different people for different rivers and also indigenous people working on it so i ended up going all around the state of florida um trying to meet all different groups and try to work together to preserve the water of the whole state versus people were looking at their river or their spring or whatever. And so um, I was able to meet a lot of different people, bring some people together who didn't know each other. The Alliance did that sort sort of, but then it was broader than that, beyond that. And it was really fascinating. And I met some amazing people. So I'm about to go on the tour for the book. That's amazing. And your book is, because I I do want to bring in that you went to, Lynn went to Antarctica and took lots of pictures and that, I've seen some of the stuff you've done and it's fascinating. So I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about what you saw going on there because that's another topic that people talk about and they're like, oh, there's no global warming or there's no global change. (laughs) Oh, everything's fine really and they're just making it up. But but I haven't been to Antarctica. I haven't seen these places, but you were actually right there in the thick of it. What would you say about that? Well, I went, first I'd say why I went there. Because when I was in Florida, I saw things really going south and there were a lot of cyanobacteria blooms and other things. And at the time, the administration wasn't recognizing that. Now they're starting to work more towards it, that it's so serious. But I thought, let me go to the places where it's worse, which is like Bangladesh, which is ground zero for sea level rise. And then a lot of our sea level rise is caused by the melting ice in Antarctica. So I went there next to see the sea ice. (laughs) I love this. It's like you're out there going around the globe on this journey of the water and working out really what's the whole thing is what's really going on. What's really going on. And it's amazing. And so they did not realize it was melting as fast as it is. And there's things coming up from the bottom. And if it melts, all coastal towns are in huge trouble around the globe. Everything is going to change, and it is melting now. So I started putting together diptych photos recently, which are being shown in Denver, and I'm going to show them in Greece and Athens this summer, showing um, sea ice photos and cyanobacteria photos and the drought and the sunderbonds in Bangladesh. And so, Because it's all related. I mean, I think that's what I decided to do, and that's what women do in a way, I think, is you think more synthetically and more big picture about how everything ties into everything else. So I wanted to see it with my own eyes, and then I wanted to make work that showed that graphically. Right. So that's what you said. And so and what was it like in Antarctica? I'm just intrigued myself. <laughs> what was Antarctica like? It was I mean, freezing, but I think many people in this country, due to climate change, got a real taste of that this winter. My son is in Minneapolis, where it was actually colder than Antarctica. Right. Like, and I think that's there. what a lot of also people, like, if you think about that, we look at and we think, well, it's warm. Or, yeah. oh, no, it was so cold. Like, we had some weather here which was so, so cold, and then it was like, well, there can't be global, global warming. warming. And I was saying, oh, maybe it's not meant to be global no. warming. There's changes change, happening climate, in climate change. Climate change. Yeah. So the problem with Antarctica is that as all the ice melts, then the ocean waters, they all go through there, they get warmer. And as the ocean warmers get warmer, then there's ocean currents that take that warmer water around the so, planet. And okay, so, cause, so this is the way my brain thinks. I'm uh, thinking, I'm looking at the ocean here, and going, oh, look at that ocean. I don't. You've just said something to me quite profound. 
that the water is traveling constantly around the planet. Right. It's not like no. stuck in one little one area, place. like in its no. little like areas of beach or no. outside there. It, this is constant moving ocean. Yeah. No. So it actually goes through Antarctica or yeah, the Arctic. It's called the Antarctic Convergence because the oceans all go through there. So as the ocean warmers get warmer, cyanobacteria is said to increase increase in algae blooms oh. and all that so it's all related that way but that's very interesting because sometimes to have a visual mm-hmm. we don't really and and this this is not stuff that we hear like if we turn on the news or the radio unless you go to one of those geographical channels where they might have <laughs> right. a special on it right. yeah. which most people aren't going to listen to right now the water's just bad in flint michigan or here or there and yeah we hear about pockets, like pockets. of Right. Little areas where there's a problem, or like the red tides. What right. do they call it in the Florida? The red tide in Florida. No, I'm from there. It's oh, you It's the red tide. Yeah, the red tide. And it's a naturally occurring phenomenon, but all of a sudden it's getting much, much worse. So they're trying to study what what is causing that, and climate change is a result of that. It is a result. Yeah. I mean, it's causing all the algae blooms to be worse. But there's also the whole problem with nitrogen and what we put in the water. So... I mean, I think as mothers, we can help bring around change about that too, how we live our lives. Because if we understand that this water is hurting our children and our families, and and so what could we do as women just now? Just are there any simple steps as women that we could make in our home environment, our daily environment that could that could just a little bit support (laughs) a little? I mean, it's very important what you put in your yards, like fertilizers and pesticides and all of that because that ends up running off and going back into the water so finding less toxic ways to garden is really important and what gets put into your water at home just the kind of products we use instead of using products that have a lot of microbeads using more natural products than that what's a microbead so microbeads are the things in toothpaste and plastic even in if you wear polar fleece every time you wash that Tons and tons of plastic is released from the polar fleece into the water. Oh, my God. So I was actually in Easter Island, which is like five hours from Chile, four hours from Tahiti, the middle of nowhere. And the Rapa Nui native people there are testing abnormally high for microbeads in their bloodstream because they eat fish every day. Because, as I said before, the global currents take the water around the planet. Of course. I think this is the key, everyone, that (laughs) I am beginning to wake up to. Clearly, I had no idea, but the actual water on our planet is constantly moving around our planet. And so everything we, I guess, we put into Mother Earth, where we just think, oh, it's just going to go into the soil Mm -hmm. and... It's going to get filtered. We don't even think where it goes. I think we just no, don't no, think. No, we don't think. No. And then ultimately this does end up right. in our water. In our water. And also how much water we use. I mean, there's huge problems with agriculture and corporations, and that's obviously a lot of times the biggest area where these things are. But every person can make a difference on how much water that they use as well. Because we're really draining, as people see in California and everything, where the lower and lower. When I was in Lake Mead, it's like bathtub rings, and it's going down into the aquifer, and we're depleting a resource, and no one really knows what's going to happen when we deplete too much of it. But and, and, but I think oh, it's almost like there's not a comprehension. Like, I know I, I've talked to people in mm-hmm. Florida, and I say, mm-hmm. you know, as they're building these seawalls on the intracoastal oh. in, in, mm-hmm. inland. Mm-hmm. Because of the the tides, the high tides, and yeah. well, Florida is in trouble that way. Because... But there's still a disconnect. So right. I think people just kind of go, well, you know, it's not really affecting me right now, it and will. they're they're building this wall 
along the intracoastal at certain areas. Yeah. So we're going to be fine. Except kind for that Florida has a karst geology. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's very soft uh, limestone and there's holes all in it. So they cannot do what they did in, in Holland with the dikes because the water is coming up underneath the state through the holes. Oh. So I photographed inland springs that have Oh, so algae is that why... Oh, okay, because there's all these things we're learning here. (laughs) This is fun. I I photographed springs in inland Florida, which they have no idea how this bacteria is getting in there, but they think it's saltwater intrusion. And wells inland are also getting saltwater in it. So it's not just along the coast. It's through the whole Right, because I think sometimes we think the ocean is rising. Oh, it's going to affect us at the beach, but it's it's really really affecting The the state is sinking. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And then I guess people, like up in the mountains, we don't even really think about that because we're in the mountains and the water is going down. Down, although we get a lot of flooding and erosion with the climate change. It's getting more serious that way. So, So, I don't know, but maybe there's some women out there who are listening to this podcast that might be, like, inspired to... What is it? Join the support of the Waterkeeper Alliance. Yeah. I've worked with a lot. They're really wonderful people. They do it for the good of the water. It's not a profit-making thing. They're very involved in education and and trying to help people live in a more sustainable way with the waterways near them and, and to learn what's going on. They're watchdogs. And people can... Citizen science is huge now. And that's another... I did that with my children, even though they're grown now. They came to visit me, and we went on a mountain tree citizen science outing. <laughs> And that was very, they have them for the water or for protecting the trees or seeing what biodiversity is around. So as we educate our children and our family to educate them that we're part of a whole ecosystem and that ecosystems support us. And how do you, how do your children feel about what you're doing? Do they relate to that? You know, because there are different generations. They are. I'm very, very proud of my children. My daughter ended up working in an experimental forest one summer with her data science background. Um, Now she's working for the University of Chicago Crime Lab in New York so they try to do social good my other son teaches math and another one's a a statistician um, but they are going out there he had worked on trying to improve trucking routes so there was less pollution so they're very cognizant of the issues that are facing our planet now and try through their work to address them in different ways oh right that's amazing so is there like um any message that you'd really like to leave the, the 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 women that are listening to our podcast today and what yeah I can, would yeah because that'd be awesome. I think my whole thing about empty next and finding out who I was what really mattered to me and the core of my being beyond all those roles but just to find myself and then a purpose and then when I found that to to have the confidence to go out and just know that you can make a difference. Like, I went from being a stay-at-home mom to organizing all these groups and having a museum show and publishing a book that's being, you know, published that Robert Kennedy wrote an endorsement for. And I had, like, no real background, but I had a real conviction of my beliefs, and I was doing it to help bring people together and educate and raise awareness and make a difference. And I was in the Everglades with Betty Osceola of the Panther Clan of the Miccosukee, who's an amazing grandmother water advocate doing just the most incredible work in the Everglades. And she said to me, when one person cares, there is hope. And I found that I still get chills when I say that. And she said three years ago, she had a lot less hope because they were just, you know, her tribe and these people were just trying to raise the alarm bells, but there weren't a lot of other people from different cultures jumping on board. And she said, 
not that my work is that incredibly important, but the fact that I was doing this. And then she listed all these other people in Florida who had started doing this, too, which that was the most moving thing to me, was how many people are working on ground level on trying to preserve the water, you know, now that it's so serious. So she was really saying there is more hope now. So the more, that's why your podcast is so wonderful. The more women we can bring together, the more caring people we can bring together for a different paradigm that isn't commercialism, but it's preserving our planet and, and changing, as I said before, our relation to nature and natural resources so we can live more sustainably. That is the hope of our future versus the sixth extinction. Yeah, because I think that's what I was feeling when you were talking about working with the indigenous people, because I feel like they've had a bad rap and they're not really listened to. Yeah. So I think it's wonderful that there are people like you um, standing for the truth. Mm. Well, they are. They're leading the way. And I got chills talking to her because she had said, you know, their tribes had been more separated all over the planet. And indigenous leaders from countries around the world are reaching out to each other to create solidarity. I saw that at Standing Rock with the 200 tribes coming together. It's the whole bringing everyone together that's going to bring about this shift. And it only takes 10% of the people to really start bringing about change. So we're there. It's, so we it's just happening. Have to, it's happening now. We just need to keep expressing it. And you keep needing to do your podcast. Oh, I am. I'm going to keep doing my podcast. We're going to keep on doing this. And yeah, it's um, it really is about us all coming together yes. and becoming aware, aware. like a little piece. Yeah. Like the, and also hearing the truth. The truth is very Because the thing is, yeah. you were there. I was there. And, and I, would, I would see what would happen, and they would report negative things you know, in the beginning, and I was seeing, I was not on the front lines, I didn't want to, rec I wasn't, I had my dog, so I didn't want to take him out where it was dangerous, but I wanted to see the community, I wanted to see the, the women doing the water rituals there, all the different tribes unifying, every time a new tribe came in, everybody came out to see them, and they were, you know, clapping and having ceremonies, and it was all unification and these are tribes that at one point were separated, separated, and had not been together in hundreds so of years. And now they're coming together. They're coming together oh my for God. the sustainability of the planet. They are leading the way, and we need to listen. You know, so something you just said about, like, your the journey and how you ended up, with, like, you know, on this mission because something was calling you in your heart to, you went on the journey, and somehow you connected that there was some stuff going on with water, and then you mm -hmm. looked into it a bit more deeply. So it wasn't like you were specifically looking for a new career or a new career, career path. You just... I don't do it as an actual commercial venture at all. I mean, I think I did it to try to help the planet. I, I was lucky that I was in a situation where I didn't have to earn money necessarily. But So that is a big difference that some women face. But even if you do, to find the calling inside of you, then it seems to align more and you can find your purpose and go out there and do it. And in the second part of your life, it seems really important to do something where your vocation meshes with your avocation. So there's not a disconnect. Like, the work you do is the work of your heart. Wow. Yeah, and I think that that is kind of what I'm doing with my I podcast. So. Like, I feel that sense of, you know, I love women. I think I really want to bring us all together. And I was already thinking, oh, I really want to do a little something on my website about what you're doing with water mm. and and support that because I was not aware right completely unaware and I know you but I wasn't really paying attention to the actual details of what you've right. just shared with us no. today and it's making me realize even 
how more valuable it is, this little podcast, which it's doesn't absolute. look like anything really in a way in the, th- in the big picture of all the podcasts out there. But I thought, no, this is it really is, important. Yeah. There are three sisters. There are all different groups on all different issues. I know. And I really feel like I want to bring all, all these women together, together mm-hmm. because I do believe that we have a responsibility as women at this I time. I think so. Because so. otherwise... It is not going to be pretty. No. And it was hard to do. It's hard to do when your your children are at home or you're working full time or you're supporting a spouse or there's all these conflicting things that pull you in a multitude of directions. But then all of a sudden, it's like you get another chance. No. And I feel that's what I have. I feel like that was, you know, I had a career. Mm -hmm. And then when I had Laura, it was that was my time to be mommy and have that full experience. And now... You know, I'm reinventing myself, yeah. but it's in the context of... Of having done all that. Also, of how can I support other women, other women mm-hmm. and also support our planet. Mm-hmm. Because really underneath, without our planet, no. we're, we With have Mother nothing. Earth. I mean, With I Mother think Earth, Mother the, Earth, Earth the, the ultimate mother, yeah. Yeah. is saying, hey, it's hey, time to step up. up. Pay attention to me. <laughs> and it is astrologically, from what I understand, the time now for the woman. Right. So, it is. Now, the paradigm is totally shifting. You see it everywhere in politics, everywhere. More women are running for office. More people are trying to just say we need a new way of living in relation to the world where we're not outside of it, but we're part of it. And when we heal ourselves and we heal the planet, they heal together. Wow. Well, I would say on that note, we are (laughs) going to say that was Awesome. Thank you ever so much, Lynn, for coming on the show today. And maybe um, we can invite Lynn back for another another chat on what's going on in the environment down the road and what she's learning and finding out. And thank you ever so much for coming on our show and sharing your wisdom with Uh, us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a wonderful experience to talk to you. Thank you so much, Lynn Buchanan, for coming on the Be A Smart Woman show today and sharing your wisdom and life journey with us all. If you would like to find out more about Lynn, you can go to her website, www.lynnbuchanan.com. You can follow Lynn on Instagram at Lynn Buchanan Photography or follow her on Facebook at Lynn Buchanan Bergren, which is B-E-R-G-G-R-E-N. You can purchase her book, Florida's Changing Waters, A Beautiful World in Peril, on Amazon.com. That wraps up our Be a Smart Woman podcast for today. I hope that you discovered something about yourself during today's podcast, as I truly believe we can learn something from everyone we meet. If you like what you heard today, I invite you to subscribe and leave a review. We'd love to have you in our Be A Smart Woman family. You can also follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you've got questions or think you have a story to share, you can find our contact information at beasmartwoman.com. Thank you for listening and see you next time.